Good morning, brothers and sisters. I was contemplating that song that we just sang, Come Share the Lord. Thank you, Eddie, for leading us in that. Were you following along with the words as we sang? We gathered here with His love flaming in our hearts. Because of His Son, we're one. Every one of us has purpose. We're not a stranger. When we make that commitment to Christ and the local body of believers, we're part of a family. Not because of anything we did, but because of forgiveness that we found. Finding our forgiveness here, we in turn forgive all wrongs. I come before you this morning as a man who needs forgiveness at times. And when we can grasp that concept that we've been forgiven, that's when we can give. So, brothers and sisters, are you forgiven this morning? Not because of anything you did, because of what he did for us. And I trust that out of that realization, his love can be burning in our hearts. That's my prayer for each one of us this morning. We're going to continue singing this morning, so please take out your Christian hymnal going to kind of keep up my theme as we're going through First Peter and sing a song at the beginning and the end of the message. Christian hymnals number 496. Number 496. And let's sing verses 1, 2, and 4 here this morning. Think about the words as we sing. 496, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tenderest care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us Thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us Thine we are. We are Thine, do Thou be Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus. 
trust we can think about those words as we look at First Peter again this morning. I was part of an uh, organization for several years, actually Open Gate, and one of the things that we really wanted to do with the attendees was, was push them, especially in teamwork. And we called it TDAs, Team Development Activities. And sometimes they took place at odd hours of the night. One particular activity I can remember vividly. We woke the young people up early in the morning. We split them up into two, two teams, the guys. Took them to a gym there and gave them two blankets. Now this was at couple, or early in the morning. Waking up guys and said, all right, I want you to stand on the blanket. And I want you to flip the blanket over without anybody getting off. And now this was, I'm going to guess, a 4x4 four four or 5x5 five five blanket with about 10 to 15 guys packed on. So we split them up in two teams, Team 1 and Team 2. If you were a part of that group, what would you say is needed to get that activity completed? I'll let you ponder it for a little bit. You don't need to respond. If you were to lay one thing, yes, we need to do this or that. As I re the reason I remember this activity, it's, I've seen it done several times, but this particular instance, one team completed it very well. The other team took about three to four times as long as the other team. And there was one thing that I think pointed to the team's success. And we're going to get to that later. This morning, I've entitled the message, A Team's Spirit. And you can turn to 1 Peter 5 a while. And as we look at 1 Peter 5, I want us to see the importance of leaders and followers. So we respond with humility. As we look at 1 Peter 5, we see Peter portraying leaders and followers in a group of people. And he asked that we respond with meekness or humility. And I want us to see that this morning. A team spirit. little review before we jump in. Our theme as we're going through First Peter is a lively hope. A lively hope. Our theme going through First Peter is, repeat it, a lively hope. Peter portrayed in the beginning a hope that we have and continuously woven through his letter, he points us to the hope that we have. A couple reminders. First of all, we had a lively hope and our response to that was that of rejoicing because we have a hope that causes us to rejoice. He calls us to live a holy life which brings about a desire for the word of God. A holy life should bring a desire for the Word of God. Next, he moved into 1 Peter 2. Anybody remember what we talked about there? 
Say it out, Drew. Living stones. We are dead stones made alive in Christ. We are living stone. That gives us purpose. Each one of us has purpose because we are living in Christ. Then we looked at the life of a stranger and looked at submission. Then we talked about the married life in chapter 3 and the legacy that is left. Then we looked at suffering. The next chapter was hard. Suffering for doing well. And in the midst of suffering, fear God. Then we looked at stewards of grace. We've been given grace, so we need to share that grace with others. And last of all, the end of chapter 4, we looked at facts of fire and how do we face the fire or opposition that comes our way. So I feel that Peter, as he was going through the letter, targeted specific things that we need to work at personally, our holy, uh, holy life that we need to strive for, a purpose that each one of us has, submission to others. We need to work at that, uh, facing opposition, how we do that individually. And I feel he comes to chapter 5, and he wants to look at the team. So this morning, we're going to look at the t- a team spirit. Follow along with me in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 to 7 this morning. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of of the glory that she shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Heavenly Father, as we look at 1 Peter this morning, I pray that you would give us a glimpse of to what Peter was portraying here in this passage. May we see the need for leaders and followers, shepherd and sheep, and may we respond humbly as we uh, recognize that. Be with our time here this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So, Peter addresses in verse 1 the elders. How many of you are an elder here this morning? What classifies an elder? Me and Roger were having a debate. I told him the younger one, or some of the younger men are upstairs for the Sunday school hour. He's like, well, which one am I? I said, well, you're older than me, so he could probably be with the elders. What classifies elders? Is that what Peter is talking at, about here? If you go back to the root word, Elder, here what Peter is using, is referring to a a job in the church, a position of leadership specifically in the church, pastor, bishop, an overseer, somebody who is a leader. So maybe Peter here is addressing the ministry. I think that is what he is targeting, but if you go on to the end, he says, likewise ye younger. 
So I think we can also classify elder as older people with wisdom. So Peter says, the elders which are among you, you church leaders, the older men, I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to encourage you. Because why? And before he jumps in and says, hey, you should do this and this, he says, I'm right with you. I am also an elder. Peter was a leader in the church at the time he was writing this. So he had experience to write from. I come this morning, I don't feel like I have years of experience behind me. So I want to portray what Peter and God's word is saying here this morning. He was an elder. He had the experience. So that gave him a right to speak on this subject. He said, I am also a witness of the sufferings of Christ. To me, that is one of the utmost qualifications there. He walked beside Jesus and he saw what Jesus was facing. I witnessed it all. So elders, listen up. I walked with Jesus, and I am a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. I'm one with you, and I'm anticipating the same way you are, the return of our Savior Jesus. So Peter starts off by listing his qualifications. I don't think it was that of pride, but I think he was trying to say to the elders in the church, I'm with you. I'm one of you. I feel the, what you're facing so I'm one of you. And he addresses the elders and he says, feed the flock of God. So we're going to look at the team and then we're going to look at a goal that the team can have. And first thing on a team is we have the leader or I'm going to call the shepherd. And the shepherd is supposed to feed. The ministry of a church are supposed to lead and feed the congregation. I'm going to refer to a sports team here. Did you ever hear of a team captain? Okay. Do, they own, do they own the team? No. I often think as the coach, as the owner per se, because the coach is saying, all right, you do this. Bob, you're going to play here. But then they elect a team captain. What is the team captain's rule? Anybody have any ideas? I view the team captain as a guy to get behind his team and say, hey guys, let's listen to our coach. Don't you think? Guys, we got this. Let's do what coach says and we can accomplish uh, whatever, whatever game they're in. And I, I view elders or leaders as kind of the team captain. They're one of the team, but yet they're, the, they're standing out as a leader but they're pointing to the ultimate leader of Jesus. They're not the owner of the team, but they're pointing their team to the owner or to who they're playing for. And as I think about elders and leaders, I get the view, the picture of a team captain rallying the troops for the cause of Christ. So Peter says here, feed the flock of God. Your team captains. Leaders are supposed to feed. What does that look like? Three areas that leaders, how, of how they're supposed to feed. Feed the flock which is among you, taking oversight. You're supposed to give oversight. You're supposed to bring vision. 
You're supposed to watch over carefully. They're under your charge. And you are supposed to do this in three ways. Do it willingly, not by constraint, not grudgingly, not making excuses, not saying, ah, pity me, I have a tough load, I can't lead, I've got to deal with so many people. Ugh. Leaders are supposed to lead willingly. Yes, I can do this. No, sometimes they will feel overwhelmed. They will feel like they don't have the answers or they don't know the path forward. But leaders are supposed to do it willingly, not by constraint. Imagine if Ray had to pull me up here this morning. And Zach, you get up here, you preach. Imagine how that would go. And we're targeting, or Peter is addressing the leaders of the church here. But these applications can be carried into other areas of leadership. We're going to get to that in a moment. Leaders are supposed to lead willingly. What does willingly look like? Secondly, leaders are supposed to lead by serving. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Not with wrong intentions, but with an attitude of wanting to serve. Did anybody ever, ever do something, maybe did something for you or asked you a question, and you just shake your head like, what are you getting at? <laughs> you know that's not why they're asking you or doing something for you. you know, they know you have, or they have a other purpose behind it. As leaders... We are not supposed to have other intentions or be in it for our glory or filthy lucre is referred to as, as money in this case. Not supposed to be in it for the money. And if you look at many churches out there, some leadership are drawn into it for the money. And that is detrimental to the team. When we serve we are supposed to serve out of an ambition for Christ, of a ready mind, not with other intentions. Leaders are supposed to lead willingly. They're supposed to be serving, serving others, not for themselves, but for God. And thirdly, they're supposed to lead by modeling. Verse 3, Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Not cracking the whip with a list of rules saying you got to do X, Y, Z. But leaders lead by example. We've heard, the, we've heard the phrase, practice what you preach. Or some people say, do as I say, not as I do. Oh, that's scary. As leaders, leaders are supposed to lead by example. A human tendency in leading is manipulation. Oh, that's a big word. What does manipulation mean? Manipulation is a way of getting people to do things what you want. And sometimes not very kindly. 
Maybe it's whining, complaining. Oh, I really think you're not caring for this area or that. Or There's many ways people manipulate. And I want to put that out there as a warning. That is a human tendency to get people to do what you want. By other things. By complaining or bossing or whatever it may be. That is not what a leader is supposed to do. Not use force. Growing up, uh, sometimes we would get into some squabbles with my siblings, and maybe they would take something that I had. And I was the oldest, so I often was a little stronger, and I could use some force to get that toy back or whatever it was. If Dad was around, ouch. Hey, Zach, come over here. What does, what does Dad tell you? I'm not supposed to use force. I knew it. He ingrained that into me at a young age. Don't use force to get the things that you want. That is manipulation. So parents, I had a little challenge for you. As you observe your children, don't let them use force to get the things they want. That is to their detriment. And Peter is saying leaders here are not supposed to use force. They're not supposed to be a tyrant, but rather be an example. That is the perfect model of leadership. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he modeled that so well. He was an example for his disciples. Leaders are supposed to lead by being willing, by serving, and by modeling. And do leaders see a reward in the moment? Peter says in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd, when Jesus is going to come back, that's when you're going to receive your crown of glory. Leadership is not always easy. In the moment, it is hard. There's sometimes no return. But we are supposed to keep our eyes focused for the return of Christ. That's when we are going to receive the crown of glory. We as humans, we want to see a benefit in the here and the now. That's not what leaders are called to. These are called to humbly serve with the focus on the reward that is to come. And if they serve by being willing, serving, and modeling, they will receive that crown. I'm going to take a little time out. Ladies, children, you can shut your, shut your ears. You don't need to listen to this next part. Dads. Peter here was addressing specifically leaders in the church. But I think he was addressing some other men as well. And that is, as a leader, dads, these same three things can be applied in your leadership in your family, or maybe your area of business, wherever it may be. Do you lead willingly? Or is it a grudgery to go home at the end of the day? Oh, Got to be with my children again, or my wife your family will pick up on that very quickly. Lead willingly. Secondly, when you serve your children and your wife, do you do it with other intentions in mind? Do you quick try to get the children off to bed so that you can have some peace and quiet? Well, that's needed at times. But what's your attitude in that process? Your children, dads, will pick up quickly 
your purpose behind your serving your family? Are you serving without grudging? Are you serving willingly? And thirdly, dads, modeling. Your wives and your children are watching everything you do. And you need to model what you want them to become. It's a high calling, dads, but it's possible. And take it seriously. Your children are watching everything you say, everything you do. Your, your time spent on electronics, they're watching. Take it seriously. It is possible to lead well by being willing, by serving, and by modeling good leadership. So, dads, join us in the call to leadership. So, a team has a leader, and leaders are called to feed and watch over. That's the first part of the team. What's the second part of the team? Followers. Verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. One sentence and he's done. I want to be a follower. Okay. It's not always that easy. But Peter says, submit. Submit to your leaders. Submit to those older than you. Be like sheep, not cows. Cows are sometimes hard to herd. Sheep, all you need to get them on is following their master or their shepherd, and they follow pretty well. Cows, eh, little harder at times. Let's be like sheep and follow. Follow our leaders. It's just a simple command. Follow them. Respect them. Listen to them. Two jobs for a follower. First of all, listen. Followers are supposed to listen. So if you think you're a follower here this morning, write these two down so you can think about it this week. Listen well to your leaders. Listen to what they have to say. People older than you that are around you, listen well to them. That will make a good follower. Secondly, learn. Learn from your leaders. Learn from those older than you. Ask questions. That is following. That is submitting. Now, in a team, we have a leader. We have the followers. I think that's what makes a good team. What if the leader's wrong? Does that mean followers shouldn't share any of their ideas? Absolutely not. Turn back with me to Job. I was pointed to a passage this week that I think beautifully portrayed an elder and a younger person, and specifically a leader and a follower. And what is happening in Job? Uh, before we go there, how many men came to Job to talk to him? Take some guesses. Four? Any other guesses? I like to keep the guesses open even if the answer was right. There was four men who came to Job. Yes. Three of them were older and one of them was younger. I'm not sure I ever realized this before. And in, verse, in chapter 32 
uh, the three older men are telling Job what to do. And the older men, you think older men have wisdom, right? I sure hope so. They've experienced a lot more. And so the three older men were sharing with Job what they thought about his situation. And then it comes to chapter 32. And these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barako, the Buzite of the kindred of Ram, because Job was his, against Job was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God. Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled because they found no answer and yet condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited till Job had spoken because they were elder than he. When Elihu saw there was no answer in the mouth of these three man, men, then his wrath was kindled. Stop right here. Elihu won. Elihu was victorious in this situation because why? He waited. He let the older men speak. He recognized his position and he, he just sat there and listened. Followers, if we start by listening and learning, then we are in the place to speak. If we are quick to give opinions, we're not in our proper place. And then Elihu says in verse 6, And Elihu, the son, answered and said, I am young, and ye are very old. Hello, guys. Wherefore, I was afraid, and I didn't want to speak mine opinion. But, he goes on to say, I can't keep quiet anymore. Jump down to verse 8. But there is a spirit in a man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Therefore, I said, hearken to me, I also will show mine opinion. In a team, there's a leader, and there's followers, and it's a beautiful thing. And when the leader views his position as the team captain, he's one of them. And when he's wrong, and when the follower is at a place where they are listening and learning, they are in the place to advise their leader. And it's beautiful. Elihu was in a perfect place to bring his opinions and wisdom to the table, even though he was younger. There's a verse in the Bible that says, despise not your youth. There is a place for followers and younger people to speak up after they have listened and learned and followed. So my point is, followers, listen and learn. That will put you in a place to speak. That will put you in a place to invest what you have. To, what you have. So we have leaders and we have followers. And as I, as I looked at this team... Do you ever see a, a separation in this? Leaders and followers? Or is, is the team always perfect? No. I'm sure you've saw many situations like this. I, I've seen it from the follower side. As a follower, we look up and we feel like our leader's a tyrant sometimes with the rules. He's not hearing our hearts. Or maybe as a leader... In my leadership positions, I've realized there is a tendency with the power struggle. Ah, oh, we're in control. 
That is a tendency as a leader. So if leaders are, are struggling with this power control, yes, I, they, they love this, this control and they run with it. If followers at a place where they're not respecting their leaders, there can be a drift, there can be a separation. A, a second thing that can bring a separation is age. So Austin referred, yeah, uh, Peter referred to them as elders. So we talked about the olders, the older people and the younger people. There can also be a separation. What causes a separation in an older and younger generation? Huh, those old guys, they're so traditional, they always do it that way. Young guys, oh, we have so many new ideas, we just got to calm down. And if those don't mesh, our team is going to be split. What I'm portraying to you is there is sometimes a separation in a team. When leaders and followers aren't getting along, when the older and the younger are clashing with opinions, the wisdom, the elders have the wisdom, the younger ones often have the energy and ideas. How do we get that to mesh? And Peter, I think, points to our goal going forward. And what's a team spirit that we should have? Yay, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Brothers and sisters, the answer to teamwork is humility. Did you ever see a team before they started the game? One, two, three. What do they shout? Team. Let's go. Win. Often there's different words they use. This morning, I want our team chant to be one, two, three, humility. That is what will affect a team. There was once a boss who had a good uh, Work, uh, group of workers, they were accomplishing a lot, but he saw they were all focused on themselves. They wanted to get the job done their way. They were getting things done, but they weren't getting along as a team. So he called them to a, an, an outing, and he said, we're going to have a competition, three rounds. First round, they came into a room, they, wrote their, they blew up balloons, wrote their names on the balloons, and put them on the table. Left the room. While they were out, uh, the boss added some extra balloons, blank balloons, into the mix. He called the, the, his team back in, and he said, all right, the first three people to find their names on the balloon is the winner, okay? And they'll move on to the third round. He said, I'll give you 15 minutes. 15 minutes went, and nobody had got their balloon. They were pushing and shoving, and they were committed to this competition. He went, he sent them out of the room, Brought him in a second time, and he says, all right, or the third time. He said, this time, I want you guys, every time you see a balloon with a name on it, I want you to take that balloon to its owner. And in a matter of a couple minutes, everybody had their balloon. When they put aside their own desires to be first, that's when they were able to work as a team. And that speaks of humility this morning. In verse 5, Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What are some things about humility? Quickly, be subject. Prefer one another over yourself. How do you do that? How can you do that this week? Prefer somebody else over yourself. 
Recently, two, two ladies blessed us with meals, and it was around their anniversary and their birthday. That was preferring us over themselves when they could have been, oh no, it's my time to celebrate. That is preferring. That is subjecting what you want, your desires to others. Secondly, he says, be clothed with humility. What do you do with clothes? Do they just naturally appear on you? No, you put them on. Brothers and sisters, humility is not natural. We have to put it on. We have to fight for humility. It doesn't come naturally. Remember that. Be subject one to another. It doesn't come naturally. So continually put on humility. What are the effects if we don't? We're going to be rejected by God if we continue to hold our desires above others. But if you're humble, that's when you're going to receive grace. And brothers and sisters, we're human, we're going to fail. And if we don't recognize our failures and ask for repentance, ask for forgiveness, we're going to be rejected by God. But a humble person will come and say, I'm wrong. They'll come to the team and say, I want what you want. That is true humility. In our culture, it's a big push for independence, self-sufficient. But that's not what humility is. Humility, in verse 7, is casting all your care upon him. Do you want a warning signs of pride? Worry and stress. Ouch. How many were worried this week? I mean, we're stressed this week. Okay, I need to be careful. Not every time you feel worry and stress, it means you're prideful. Well, maybe. What happens when you're worrying? You're not sure what's coming next. And you try to take care of it yourself. Or when you're feeling stressed, I don't know if I can do this all. Commit it to God. Say no to some things that you need to. Uh, Worry and stress, I think, are signs of pride. What are positive signs? Trust and peace. If there is trust and peace in your life, that means you're on track for humility. And that's a beautiful thing. So let's use those as signs in our life. Are we humble? Are we prideful? Is there worry and stress? Or is there peace and trust? That is signs of humility. So, Our key to teamwork is what? Humility. Let's recognize that there are leaders, leaders, dads. Let's be willing. Let's be serving. Let's be modeling. And if leaders do that well, followers can listen and learn. So followers this week, listen and learn. Wives, I should have maybe made the husbands shut their ears. Wives, listen and learn this week. And the bridge, or what's going to bring that team together, is humility. Preferring each other over ourselves. Back to the blanket story. Do you know which team won? The team that at the beginning said, all right, Tim, you're in charge. Tell us what to do. Even though Bob and John had other ideas that probably would have worked, they said, no, Tim, give us the shots. And over here... 
It was chaos. No, let's try this. No, let's try this. That's not working. They didn't get anywhere. To me, that showed the need for a leader and a follower. And in, there's maybe different times in life where you find yourself at different positions, a leader and a follower, but do it well. Lead well. Feed the flock. Followers follow like sheep. Listen and learn so you can be in the place to present what you have. And if we do that with humility, the teamwork can be amazing. So go this week, be a follower, be a leader. Take out your songbooks again. Turn to number 496. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. The reason I, the, this song jumped out at me is because Savior is our, she- our shepherd, and we are supposed to follow Number 496. Let's sing verses 1, 3, and 4 this time. Verses 1, 3, and 4. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tenderest care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, Thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, Thine we are. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved to thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, we will early turn to thee. Early let us seek thy favor, early let us do thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our bosoms fill. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, loved us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, loved us still. Let's all stand, and may our team spirit this week be humility as we take our place as leaders and followers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Peter and his faithfulness to you. And in this letter that he wrote, he called us to recognize the team. There's leaders and there's followers And I pray that we would take our places willingly, listening well to each other. And as we 
are a part of a team, may our team spirit, our team cry, be that of humility. We need it. Preferring each other over ourselves. And may trust and peace be evident in our life to help us on the track to humility. Thank you for my brothers and sisters this morning. Thank you that we can come and worship and find peace and joy in you. Take us as we go from here. Help us to be a light, living intentionally for you this week. Keep us safe. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.